Welcome to the Frameworks and Finance Podcast. I am your host, Curtis Haney. Each week we talk about frameworks and finance concepts for your life and work. Let's learn together today. All right. Okay. Thank you everyone for listening today. I have Jeff Rose with me, who is a certified financial planner that three years ago sold his wealth management uh, firm to become a full-time online educator. He has a blog, book, and YouTube channel that reaches 400,000 unique visitors each month. Jeff currently writes for Forbes and Entrepreneur.com and has been featured in the USA Today, Wall Street Journal, and Fox Business, where he talks personal finance, entrepreneurship, and online business. Jeff, thanks for for jumping on today. Yeah, happy to jump in with you. Yeah, for sure. And and me and Jeff have chatted back uh, a little bit back and forth, kind of got to know each other a little bit and and I was really intrigued by his journey and and was interested in talking about this and so I want to kind of go back to uh you becoming a certified financial planner. What uh what made you head down that path and why were you interested in becoming yeah, a planner? Yeah, so it actually all started back when I graduated high school and then I ended up becoming a college dropout right out of high school. My dad also was a college dropout. And one of the things he hoped for that his son would not follow in his footsteps. So whenever I signed up to all my classes, got dropped, uh, I just decided, screw it. I'm not going to school. And I ended up getting a job. My mom got me a job. This is when I was living in California and I was doing, doing data entry uh, 40 hours a week. I mean, that was the life, let me tell you. Um, no, it wasn't. It was miserable. And it was a really dark time in my life. Um, I, I got mixed up with drugs and just was going nowhere, hating myself, hating life. And I had some friends of mine that had joined the Army National Guard back in the Midwest. I used to live in Illinois. Um, it's more my story. But at this time, I was living in California with my mom. My parents split when I was young. And I knew they had joined the Army National Guard. And my dad also was in the Army for like two or three years. Like, long time ago. And I just felt like, man, this is, this is what I need. Like I need something because whatever I'm doing ain't working. So I ended up joining the army national guard to basically get my, my butt in gear. And it did like, it got me the discipline, the motivation, the encouragement, like all that stuff that you hear from the military. Like it, it gave that to me. Um, so I started going to school, but what it still didn't give me was that discipline of how to manage money. Because in addition to my dad being a college dropout, um, he also struggled with his finances. And, and my mom did too, even though my stepdad made a little bit of money. But uh, both my parents, so they split when I was young. And this is like a pretty interesting accomplishment by both of them. But after being divorced, they both filed bankruptcy twice. <laughs> so four times total. So as you can imagine, like these are the financial lessons that are being passed down to me either directly or indirectly. And I can remember when I just started as a financial advisor, I really wanted a big screen TV. This is when flat screens first came out, you know, like 42 inch was like the biggest one. And I wanted one like really like a lot. And I was making like maybe 20 grand a year, still had student loan debt, credit card debt. And I just mentioned that to my dad and he's like, yeah, well, if you want one, you should, you should open up a 0% credit card and buy that TV. And I'm like, yeah, I should. <laughs> And then I told my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, and she asked me a very direct question. Initially, like, I, I was angry that she did. She asked me, can you really afford that? And I'm like, I can afford the payment. Uh, nonetheless, I didn't buy that TV. 
Uh, and thankfully I didn't. And that began this journey. So at that point in time, like I was already like $30,000 in debt with student loans and credit cards. Keep in mind that the military paid for all my school. And yet I was taking out student loans to buy clothes and go to the bars and eat out and just live this lavish college lifestyle. Um, not so much keeping up the Joneses, but keeping up like all my buddies and just having a good time. But uh, it wasn't until mm -hmm. that conversation where my wife asked me, wife at the time, but when she asked me, can you afford it? Like that's when I realized, man, I got I to gotta get my act together. And I, as a financial advisor, start working with people and start realizing like the power of compounding interest and also the power of making either making bad choices, like bad financial choices, or not taking any action on saving. And I started seeing my dad in a different light. And that's when I was really empowered, inspired, motivated to teach and show as many young people as I could, you know, the power of, of saving and investing. Um, because I, up until then, like I, I didn't understand it. Like I, I could have opened a Roth IRA when I was 18. I was had a job, like I was in high school. I had enough money to put in $50 a month, but I didn't because I didn't understand it. So when I finally understood it, and also um, when my dad passed away, you know, the death certificate said that he had a heart attack, you know, which he did. But I firmly believe like it was the stress of my dad being in debt till the day that he passed away. He had, I don't even know how many credit cards. He had like five or six different credit cards. And every time I would visit him on his computer desk, he had this little white sheet of paper that he would replace every month to show what the minimum payment was on each card. And then trying to figure out how am I going to take cash from this card to make the payment here? And, and that was like his taking equity, like, you know, home equity line of credit on the house, second mortgage, all this stuff. And I'm like, for what? I mean, the house was like worth maybe 40,000 when he passed away, if that, but owed on it. So he actually passed away with a negative net worth. So a lot, I share all that to say, like, that is why I was so passionate about being a financial planner. That was so passionate why I, I brought this stuff online and why, however many years later, like, I'm still passionate about helping, helping people with investing, personal finance, financial planning, online business, entrepreneurship, all of that. Yeah. Man, that's a power. That's a powerful backstory. You know, those days, those TVs. Going back to the TV, man, those things were expensive. Those things were thousands of dollars. You know, now you can get one of those for for super cheap, but but that would have been that would have been a big expense. And I remember those days, and and it's funny to think back about that. I've heard this story, different iterations, different ways, from people that are in the military, and really honestly just not managing money great in that situation what do you think uh, there's clearly discipline there there's clearly all this is you think it's just an education issue or what do you i mean what do you think causes that yeah i think it's an education issue and also keeping in mind that a lot of young men and women that join the military the first, for the first time i mean they are probably not in a great situation you know so they're they're becoming an adult really quick and all of a sudden now you've, they're making more money than they ever made, you know, how they're not to pay for housing. So they have like extra cash. And if you've ever been to a military base, you know, once you leave base, you see all the signs about promoting new cars and motorcycles and just all the latest things. Um, so there's just that, it's just that, man, like, it's almost like fake rich, you know, like, man, I actually have some mm -hmm. money. 
I, I deserve this. You know, I'm serving my country. I'm doing this. I, I'm an adult now. Um, so there isn't that education of understanding, wow, like, man, if I actually invested, you know, $100, $500 a month, wow, I, I would have to be in the military for like 20 years to get that full retirement, you know, or I could actually retire a whole lot sooner. And, that, and that's, that's really it. I mean, it was the same reason for me. Like my parents, lots of parents, our parents will give that advice like, oh, you need to save. Like, yeah, okay, that's great, but that's not specific. And why? What, what, what do I need to save for? You know, YOLO, <laughs> I want to live yeah. my life and enjoy, <laughs> um, you know, and enjoy it. Like, what, what's the point of saving? So it's not until you start having a family and kids, and then all of a sudden you start getting close to retirement and you realize, oh, crap. I have to work until I'm 75. Like that's miserable. So mm -hmm. anyway, like a lot of it is just that education uh, and just not having a good mentor, whether it comes from parents or, you know, some loved one to, they understand why, why they should do that. Yeah. You know, with your education, do you try and speak specifically to a certain type of audience? Do you speak to military? Do you speak to just general? Like who's, who are you trying to speak to with, um, with your blog? Yeah. So for me, like it, it first, so when the blog first started, it was a marketing tool uh, for the financial planning practice. So I was speaking to anybody that had a lot of money that mm -hmm. may want to work with me. And as I, you know, I did that for a number of years and then started to have more of a voice. And as the online business started to grow, um, I started being more, more motivated to talk to I always tell people like, you know, Rich Dad, Poor Dad was one of the first books I read that really changed the way that I looked at wealth, at how you can make money and just, un you know, it didn't tell me what to do exactly. It just kind of gave me this little glimmer into uh, an idea, a mindset that I hadn't been exposed to before. And when I read that, I think I was in my 20s at some point and I was, I was like, man, this is awesome. Now what? You know, what do I do now? And that began a journey. And it started with MLM, uh, maybe a little bit of real estate, and just like I was trying all these different things. Nothing really worked until I mean the financial plan that pra the practice worked, but it was the blog was finally the one that finally paid off. But for me, like I want to talk to that twenty year old version of myself that read Rich Dad or some other similar book that knows that there's something better or different out there than the nine to five job. Like there's a different way, a faster way to build wealth. And if you are willing to commit to experimenting, you know, failing often and just putting yourself out there, um, you'll be surprised on what you will uncover. And that's, that's who I speak to now. And my oldest son's 15. So he's also like, you know, 15 is going on 20. Right. So it's like, even speaking to him, like he's actually given me some motivation again to kind of remember, okay, how, <laughs> not saying anything against him, but how, um, I won't say dumb, but uh, how uneducated was I, was I back then at the beginning of my journey, you know, when I didn't know anything about anything uh, other than reading Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So it's just, it's fun to kind of go back and remember where, what my mindset was back then, you know, and just all the things I had to go through to get to where I'm at today. You know, I look back and I, I had parents that were great as far as the way they managed their money, how they tried to educate us. But I look back and I knew the right answers to a lot of these things at a younger age. But that doesn't mean that I started 
enacting those things, you know, until much later. And so I think a lot of cases, it doesn't really matter what education we get. It's that, it's that immaturity that we have of, of just, you know, thinking, trying to figure out life just in general, you know, because it is a, it is a big transition. And, and no matter how much preparing we can do, some of us are just not as, not as good at making that transition fully in the financial sense. And, um, uh, it's interesting to think back on and, and think about, you know, there's so many things that you could do differently, but, uh, you know, you could say that about any stage in life. So, um, I, I'm curious, you know, so, so you got out of the military and you, you started, you became a certified financial planner. And then somewhere along the way, you started the blog, you said you're talking to the people that were supposed to be your clients. Um, what led to the transition from certified financial planner to becoming a full-time online educator? Yeah, that was funny enough. Like that was a lot harder transition. And it's funny because I've talked to a few people recently that have like a this similar transition or this difficulty where they've, they have their nine to five job or even, you know, a very solid business, but then also they started this podcast where they have like this membership site or this community or something that's like there. And it's like, gosh, like the potential is there, but man, there's like this security <laughs> over here that it's just so hard to let go of. And, you know, for me, uh, the financial planning practice, uh, I mean, full transparency, like it was grossing about $400,000 in revenue and I'm living in Southern Illinois where average salary, you know, is like probably 50 to 60,000, probably less than that. I mean, we, the plan was to have our house paid off before like my son even started high school. Uh, my oldest son started high school. So, I mean, like to be completely debt-free at such a young age was like, wow, this is like weird, but cool. Um, so that's the practice, right? And then the blog just took off and in the highest, the peak year, the online business made three times more than what the practice was and was also requiring less work. <laughs> uh, and if there was like a, a dip in the market, I didn't have people emailing me from the blog saying, Hey, why is my account down? Five percent. <laughs> what's what's going on with my latest statement? Come on, wizard. Why why did you do this? Right. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so, but but for me though, it's like even though there is that right. I mean, any the especially on the online side. So a lot of the revenue is directly tied to Google traffic, search traffic. And back in 2011, I went through a algorithm update. It was called Google Panda. April 11th, 2011. <laughs> One of those days that you just don't forget. Um, and I, I'd only been blogging for a couple of years and it was only making about 5,000 a month at this time. But I remember that day very vividly because overnight, 75% of my traffic disappeared. Hmm. And I don't know what I did. Like, I don't know what I did to piss off Google. And for those that don't know this, like if that happens, like Google does not have a crisis hotline uh, that you can call in the middle of the night and just like, man, what's, what did I do? Let me know and I'll fix it. Uh, it was almost over a just less than a year. I think it was like 10 months where from April until January, February, where I finally got back. At that point, I, I was over like 100,000 unique visitors a month, like, which was like a great accomplishment for a guy 
that had no idea what SEO was, had no idea about backlinking or any of this stuff. And I just figured it out, you know, over time. Um, so there was that very <laughs> traumatic experience I had over there. So it's like now fast forward to 2017, 18, 19, could I lose 75% of my business overnight? I don't know. You know, it was this, I don't know. And I initially was going to sell like a minority stake. Uh, the, the advisor that was working with me, he declined it. I don't agree with that decision, but that's okay. That was his call. Uh, and fast forward a few more years, we ended up moving to Nashville. Uh, so we live in Illinois. We moved, moved to Nashville, Nashville area. And that was, for me, was a, a big step uh, because I had... It wasn't just the, I mean, it's 16 years growing this business, also living in a small town. Everybody knew me as the financial planner. You know, these were, these were people that worked with, uh, they had kids, uh, they'd lost kids. You know, I've been to funerals. I mean, these were just not numbers. I mean, they were relationships. Uh, and it was just hard to like, whoo, just let go of my identity because so much of my identity was tied in this thing that I spent 16 years building. And it wasn't until, Moving to Nashville, getting some separation. I never, I never went back to the office. I had hired a guy to basically run it, and I would jump on a call every once in a while. And I think it was like a year, a little bit over a year after moving here, I had a client issue come up, and it was one of those, they needed a check cut from their retirement account, and they didn't want to talk to my assistant, and they weren't even like, it was like a C client. And I remember I was in the middle recording a YouTube video, <laughs> and I had to like put the video on hold, and deal with this client. And it just like wrecked me for the entire day. I mean, it's kind of petty, but nonetheless, like I was in my creative flow and I had to stop. And I remember I was just venting to my wife and she just said, it's time to sell. And I'm like, really? Are you sure? Because she did not want me to sell 30% back when I, that was on the table. So she went from not being comfortable, me selling 30% to basically saying that it's, she feels okay if I were to sell the entire thing. Uh, so that's what I did. Found a buyer um, that happened to be just some guys I actually used to, work, used to work with back in the day. It was just an easy transition. Um, and that's so since then, focusing on the blog, YouTube channel, the podcast, uh, Twitter. And that's, uh, it's really living, I guess, living the dream. And it's allowed me an opportunity to, and one of the things I, I so grateful for that we have a school we were talking about this before, before we started recording, but we have a school just down the road from us. And every day I take my kids to school and I pick them up. And that's one of the things I do not take for granted because my dad occasionally would drop me off, but like he usually had to work till six o'clock. So I didn't see him, you know, until after dinner, usually a lot of the time. And, and it's just one of those things. Like, what a gift I get to do that uh, among so many other things. So yeah, that's uh answered your question yeah no did in and curious what what uh resulted what caused the move to nashville yeah that was i mean the short answer we tell people is it was a god thing one of the reasons was i had some friends that already had moved here they're also they were online entrepreneurs and it just seemed like a, a very hot pocket of online business types the university that both my wife and i graduated from siu carbondale at that time, the enrollment had dropped like almost 60% over like a five-year period. I mean, it was just, unfortunately, a dying area. Closest airport to us was St. Louis, which was a two and a half hour drive. And 
we just felt like, okay, we don't want our kids to be here. And if this is where we set up shop and they move on and they come back to visit, like they're going to have to fly into St. Louis, rent a car, or we get them a car. They'll drive two and a half hours. Like it just was a lot of resistance for our kids wanting to come back and visit us. So we thought, man, like where at that time, our oldest son was in fifth grade and like, if now's the time to move, let's do it. Like I said, we already had a few people that lived here. There was some other stuff with my, my youngest son had some behavioral stuff that we were working through and we tried three different therapists in that area. And they're just, you know, like just the quality of healthcare is just different. Like, you know, if you needed any sort of professional or expert on anything, like you didn't go local, you went to St. Louis or you went to Nashville. So like it just all that stuff. I mean, there were so many different factors of us moving here and that was almost five years ago. And let me just say, thank God we moved when we did. <laughs> Cause I will say before the whole housing boom, you know, like my goal was to pay off our house before my son was in high school. Well, now we we're trying to pay off our new house, but like our house here is still twice as much as it was there. So we knew that moving here, but man, had we moved, you know, during uh, COVID or after COVID, like we'd be paying, I don't even know what, like, I don't even want to know, uh, but it would be a lot smaller house. Yeah. Nashville is definitely changing. We've, my wife loves Nashville and that area and, and we're never moving anywhere, but, but there's been, you know, if she had to pick a place, that would be the place, you know, because that'd be, it. she's, she's a writer and editor. And so there's a whole scene there and everything. So very cool. So curious when, when you started, cause you didn't have the expertise, you didn't have the experience uh, with a blog. What did you do? Like, why do you feel like the blog was successful? <laughs> Why do I think the blog was successful? So when I read, I'd read an article in this, I think it was Financial Advisor Magazine, if I recall. In this article, it was featuring this female financial planner, and I forgot where she was based out of. But this article, it said, oh, you know, if you want to stand out, you need to start a blog. And this is going back to 2007-ish, 2008, I think, because I, I bought the domain, I believe, in July or August of 2008. And when I read this article, like, I was like, yeah, like, this is what I need to do except that I didn't know what a blog was like straight up did not know what a blog was. Uh, Facebook was out. I didn't have a Facebook account, didn't have MySpace, didn't have any of that. So when I went to Google and typed in certified financial planner blogs, what came up was like three or four CFPs in the entire United States that had a blog. And I thought, Oh, okay. Is this that niche thing that people talk about? Like, cause there, there's not a lot of competition right now. Uh, so at that point I got really, really excited and I end up, I forgot whoever the number one listing was at that time. Like his name was Art Dinkin out of Iowa. And I contacted him and like, Hey dude, like I see that you have a blog. I just, I want to start one. And I just remember I was talking to him we were driving. It was a family trip. I had all three kids in the car. I, don't, I could barely hear him because everybody's crying and screaming, but <laughs> I just remember him saying very specifically that he had gotten more business from his blog than anything else that he'd ever did. And that's including like, for those that don't know, a lot of advisors, we do seminars and newspaper ads and direct mail and cold calling and networking, all that stuff, right? Which I had done all that. And when he said that, cause I'm like, wow, really? Uh, and the cool thing in his, I mean, it was the same thing. Like, it's like dude, how'd you do it? He's like, I don't know. I just started writing and all of a sudden I started ranking uh, for certain things because there wasn't a lot of competition. So 
that was a conversation that really motivated me to like, at that point in time, like I'd made this decision. I don't know if I voiced it out loud, but internally the, the hope or the, the mission was like, I wanted to have the best financial planner blog that existed. And uh, so that meant like I'm researching and reading uh, and there wasn't like a ton of resources back then, you know, like not like there is today. And I jumped in a few forums and started connecting with other personal finance bloggers. And it just, I just kept learning a little bit here, a little bit there. I mentioned the Google Panda update. Like I'd spent so much time. I mean, I was probably putting in at least 30 hours a week, maybe more, whether it was like researching SEO understanding how to even like upload a blog post or upload a picture that was like formatted the right way. I mean, just all these things. I did it on my own uh, because my wife at the time didn't, she wasn't sold on me like spending, because I definitely had that personality where I could have spent thousands of dollars to have somebody do it for me and not even known like what they, what they did. Like I, I wanted to figure it out. So I kind of understood it and I did it for nine months, nine months. And I'm like, researching i'm writing my own posts that were god awful because <laughs> i'm not a great writer and then uh end up getting a client actually it was the my biggest client at that time ever and it was like a two million dollar client that found me because she did google search for a keyword that i was focusing on which was financial planner illinois and that was like yes yeah like proof of concept you know took nine months to get there and then you had the google panda update and that one man that wrecked me like that's probably the first time I ever experienced a little bit of anxiety, some depression, because I did all this work and all of a sudden, bam, it was taken away. And I, I didn't know how, I didn't know what to do. Didn't know how to fix it, how to bring it all back. And at that time, I just remember I had to remind myself, yes, it was a marketing tool, but also like there was this, this purpose that was bigger than me, you know, recognizing there were other Jeff Roses out there that are struggling with finances that had parents that didn't teach them those basics of investing and saving that needed to hear my story, that needed to hear my expertise. And I took a, a, some time off, like a few weeks. And when I came back, it's like I came back with a vengeance. Like I started guest posting a lot more. I started YouTube. Later on, it started the podcast. And just like, how could I level up like what I was already doing? And uh, man, like that's that same. I, I love interviews like this because sometimes like I need to be reminded of why I started back when I did. Because it's just, it's exciting, you know, and when you get, you don't get a lot of emails from people thanking you, but you do get them on occasion. Uh, I just came back from a financial blogger conference. I had so many people come up to me that just thank me for the content that I've been pushing out for like the last 10 years. Like this financial planner, he's 30 now. He's like, dude, I've been watching you like since you were, since I was 18. I'm like, really? <laughs> Why? <laughs> but like he had saw one of my videos which i'm sure was like cringy as you know what because like that was i didn't know anything about doing videos back then but it inspired him to become a financial planner him and his brother they have their own financial planning practice they've got 30 employees and it's like wow like it's just it feels cool to to be that little spark you know for somebody so anyway that's what keeps me going that is that is cool and if you were to give advice to say you know, someone in the same spot as you, like business owner, trying to figure out, you know, how it can be hard, especially in that world to get leads. Would, would your suggestion to be for them to go kind of start creating some content on their own? What would your suggestion today be? Yeah. If I was just to a business owner. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's either if, if we're like bootstrapping, find a way to create some sort of call, content 
that showcases your expertise or just provides value to whoever your target customer. And also understand your limitations. Like I love doing video. Like it was easy for me to stand, you know, turn on a camera and start recording. Blogging was easier in a sense that like there's not all the production quality, but my goodness, like it takes for me, like it just takes so much brain juice for me to actually write a good article. So recognize your limitations and understand that like, okay, because I have a friend of mine also has a personal finance blog and has a TikTok channel. Like I'm not even on TikTok. Technically he isn't either, like his brand is, but he hired a male and a female to rotate doing TikTok videos, you know, as part as underneath his brand. Like he recognizes like, I don't like video. I don't want to do video. So I'm going to hire somebody to do video for me, you know, and get my brand out there. So just understand because like you, you do have to focus on whatever, find out, uh, I don't know if you're familiar with, uh, I was in strategic coach with Dan Sullivan for five years and he has this concept called the unique ability. I'm sure other people have some similar phrase, but just understanding like, what is your God given talent? What are you good at? What do you thrive at? What gives you energy? And most importantly, what also helps you pay the bills? <laughs> You know, so the more that you can stay within your unique ability, the more happier you're going to be, uh, the more happy your coworkers are going to be, the more happy your family is going to be, and also your bank account, because you're doing what you get paid to do. Uh, and that's why, you know, with a financial planner, for me, it was like creating content was it, but also meeting with clients. Like that was my unique ability. It wasn't scheduling appointments, it wasn't uh, cutting their requirement requirement minimum distribution checks. Uh, or, or making sure that their beneficiaries were up to date. You know, like me, it was sitting down on and, and meeting with them one-on-one -on -one or meeting with, meeting with them for that first time and just to show them, hey, this is what we do, this is what we're all about. If you want to work with me, here's what we'll give you, blah, blah, blah. Like that's, that was my unique ability. So the more that I did that, the better. The more that I create content, which eventually for me, creating content was like not writing it, it was outlining it, talking it into a transcription service and then having my editor turn it into something that's actually worth reading. Interesting. Yeah. And, you know, since the last year I've started, you know, creating content. And one of the things that I think is a little bit undersold is as you go through that process, you have to clarify your thinking. It forces you to approach things from a different way. And I know 100% it's made me better at what I do in a day to day because I've been forced to sit here and think about how I translate this to people that aren't in this day in and day out. And I think that skill is something that's, that's huge, a huge benefit for, for creation. Absolutely. I know we talk a lot about, you know, business, business own, to, a lot, to a lot of business owners, a lot of things like that. As a financial planner, and even in what you're doing today, what do you feel like is something that you wish you would have known earlier? in your career? Because obviously this wasn't a planned path, right? What's something that you feel like if you'd known earlier would have changed your path? Hmm. You know, it wasn't until I read four hour work week by Tim Ferriss. And in that he talked about hiring a virtual assistant for the first time. And as a business owner, I had a ton of fear in delegating, outsourcing and hiring. Because especially like even hiring like an office manager, like it's like, oh man, do, do I really have enough? Am I really making enough to pay somebody 30, 40 grand a year? And it just was one of those, like it was this huge fear uh, that I just had to work through. 
and also say like my wife also had a big fear like oh what happens like we can't revenue drops you can't afford that i'm like yeah i guess we could deal with that when it happens but um it was really i mean it was a combination of the two right of just also understanding like you're not paying your employee forty thousand dollars a month to start right like that is over a 12 month period and if something happens and revenues do drop, I mean, you can let them go. Like that does happen. I mean, it's, it's an unfortunate thing to happen, but it does happen. So there was like some of that. But I think also probably the, the bigger lesson for me was, gosh, I just, I had so much, I mean, it's still fear, but like I, I fear that if I were to outsource it or delegate to somebody else, that it wasn't going to be done to my standard. And finally, allowing myself to let go in the financial planning practice, also in the online business. Like when I started doing that with the right people, you know, and you have to clearly know what are you hiring? Like what, what are you, what is this uh, specific result that you're trying to get out of this person being very clear with those expectations, which I did struggle with very much in the beginning. But when I finally understood exactly what I wanted and I could clearly articulate that to whoever I hired, employee, contractor, whatever, boom, all of a sudden that would just free up not even the time. I mean, the time is the one thing we talk about that, right? You can't get so much time back. But when you talk about just taking off that burden, like all that, just have that worry that would just sit here. And all of a sudden it's just like, oh, it's over there. All of a sudden, man, for if you're a creative thinker, all of a sudden, like you start thinking bigger and better. Also surrounding yourself with other big thinkers that really challenge what your experience is or what your goals are was another thing. So. I think I didn't give you one thing. I didn't give you like three things. That's good. What, how, how did you, cause this is a struggle I think for everyone is finding those people that you can surround yourself with. Do you have a way that, that you try and do that? What do you, how do you think about that? Yeah. I'm trying to think like over time, like there, I've been in several mastermind groups. I've been in paid mastermind groups. I've been in ones that were, which is people that I would, I would meet usually online and had like similar interests, similar passions, sometimes, sometimes same business, sometimes different businesses, just start like thinking about, okay, who, who is somebody that I admire? Who's somebody that I look up to that think has the same type of goals and aspirations that I do. Maybe let's see if they, they would be interested in like meeting up once a week and just discover, you know, a very simple format. It's like, Hey, what are you working on right now? Is there anything that you need help? You know, and just, uh, take turns, like sharing what that is. Uh, so that, that was kind of like over time, like what I, what I did. And, they were all helpful in different ways and probably wasn't until joining that, uh, that coaching program. Cause at that time, like that it's gone up since then, but back then it was like 7,500 bucks a year and to pay you know, almost eight grand for a, a coaching program, you know, like that didn't give me anything physical to take home. Yeah. <laughs> it was a, such a new concept for me. And, uh, but looking back, like that was one of, one of the best investments I ever made. It took all my big thinking and just kind of packaged it and, and make it, made it more laser focused. But once again, so I think right now, like if you're kind of new starting off, like I think a great way is like, you know, we met in this, what, I don't know what it's called. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Twitter group. I'm gonna call it a Twitter group. <laughs> and you know, like, this would be one example, right? Like we met in this group, like we've chatted in there, you know, like to me, I would, I would start looking other members like in this group, like, oh, y'all interested in like maybe doing like a mastermind together you know so like there's a course that you maybe bought and like any course nowadays usually has some sort of community you look within that community of other people that might be like-minded and say hey let's and let's you know you try it out maybe it works maybe it doesn't and then 
I've been in several over the years and there were some that didn't work out. And it's like, hey, this isn't working out. I'm just going to do something else. Yeah. Well, it's amazing the resources we have today with social media, with the internet, be able to access people elsewhere that we could have never accessed before. And I think that's a gift that for years I ignored, you know, that I didn't even, you know, venture over to that side. And since I've done that in the last year, it's amazing what has come from that. And so, yeah, I think I would encourage anyone who's, you know, in that position to, you know, we uh, forget what, uh, I think it's Jim Rome. Like, you know, we are the five people that we surround ourselves with. It's such an overused quote, but it's so true. And I think if we can, if we can do that and surround ourselves with people that are trying to achieve the same things that we are, then it's going to multiply our results in a way that we could have never expected before. And and just like piggyback off that Jim Rohn quote, because it is totally overused, but at the same token, growing up, I was never surrounded by anybody that made over a hundred thousand dollars a year. Like, and it wasn't even until probably after college where I work as a intern at the, as a financial advisor, that's where I finally started being around people that were making a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars a year. And all of a sudden, like you notice, like there's a difference in how they approach their day. And then fast forward, like now, and then I'm like in these mastermind groups, different coaching programs where I'm surrounding myself with people that are making a million dollars a month or more. And the way that they approach life, business, everything is different. And just to hear, just to, just, just to hear like those conversations, it's like, oh, wow, I never even thought about it because you don't hear that from somebody that's not there. That makes sense. Yeah. hundred percent. Hundred percent. Well, thanks for thanks for joining me today. I don't tell us where's the best place to find you, and do you have anything else to, that you want to share and offer us? Yeah, man. Like for those who want to check out the blog, we talked about uh, Good Financial Sense. C E N T S dot com is the blog. The YouTube channel is Wealth Hacker Wealth Hacker Labs. You can type in Jeff Rose and find any of those. And if you want to hit me up on Twitter or Instagram, is at J Jeff Rose. Two J's because some Jeff Rose in Canada. Because there's too many Jeff Roses in the world, huh? <laughs> uh, so, well, thanks. Thanks again. I'll put all those links in the show notes. And so, uh, again, thanks for, thanks for your time and, and enjoy chatting about this. Hey, man. Thank you.